Hey Westside family, my name is Eric Johnson and I serve on the production team. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders, and we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. Love you guys and enjoy. Uh, I'm going to talk to you this morning on revival now. Can you say revival now? Can you say not tomorrow? And not from yesterday, but revival now. So what is revival? In simple terms, it is God moving and manifesting in our lives in a response to our prayers, in a response to our seeking him, in response to us crying out to him. But then there is outcomes. It's the outcome of salvations, the outcome of miracles, the outcome of signs and wonders, the outcome of blessings, of callings, of divine encounters, visions, uh, revelations, a sense of new or renewed purposes. It's basically God moving in our lives. Revival can happen in a corporate context like today, here. Revival can happen in a family setting like in your home. Revival can happen in a very personal setting like just with you and God. Now we see revival in scripture. You can look throughout scripture and see multiple areas of revival, but let me just give you a couple examples. Uh, One in the Old Testament, a popular story. When Elijah turned the hearts of Israel to God, when he defeated 450 prophets of Baal, Israel had turned their backs on God. They had taken on pagan practices. Elijah basically struck a deal with God that he would pray, or struck a deal with them, excuse me, struck a deal with Israel that He would pray to God, God would move, and therefore their hearts would be turned and they would return to God. So Elijah prayed unto the Lord. 450 prophets uh, were praying to Baal, cutting themselves, getting all crazy. Elijah stepped up, said a simple prayer, asked God for fire to come down. Fire came down from heaven. It consumed the altar that was saturated in water, and then... It was as if Israel returned back to their first love, and revival happened in Israel. A New Testament experience is is on the day of Pentecost. We have 120 people that were waiting on the Lord. Jesus had told them to wait in Jerusalem because God is going to send you a promise. Jesus ascended uh, into heaven, Uh, the 120 waited for 10 days. On that 10th day, they were in a prayer room, praying, seeking God, waiting on the promise of the Lord. The Bible says that all of a sudden, the sound of a mighty rushing wind came into the prayer room. Cloven tongues of fire rested upon each of them. They began to speak in a different tongue, People on the outside begin to hear them. Some ridiculed. Some said they were drunk. Some listened with open minds, open ears, and open hearts. 
Peter preached a simple message that was based out of the prophetic book of Joel, and 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus Christ. A massive moment of church growth, a massive revival. So we have a couple examples in Scripture of what revival is. It's God moving, it's people responding, and in that response, people receiving what God has for them. So I don't know if, I know some of you have heard this, some of you it might be new, I'm not for sure, but for, for years, ever since I started ministry uh, in a full-time uh, capacity, which was in 1995, uh, there has been words that revival is coming, revival is coming, a great revival is coming to the United States, to the world. It's going to be the greatest revival uh, throughout history. And the reason they said that, because there has been sparks of revival throughout history. There has been revival, revivals based on healing. Uh, there has been revivals just simply based on salvations. There's been revivals to where God moved and people laughed. There has been revivals to where a minister would lay their hands on people or just wave their hands in front of people and people would just fall out in the spirit. Some would say it was fake. Some would say it was a hoax. And I will say this. Some was fake and some was real. I went to some of them and I laughed when I didn't want to laugh. And I've had people lay hands on me, and I was blown out in the Holy Ghost when I, when I tried to stand on my own power. I told God, you're going to have to knock me down because I ain't just going to fall down. Uh-uh. I never fall down when I got in a fight, and I ain't going to fall down in front of you, Lord. And guess what? Boom! I mean, I even tried. I, like, I tried. I got like, my knees got like this. I went, <laughs> and it was like I was trying to... Think and squat 400 pounds, but anyway. But then I, I, I've been to weird ones where there's like some freak show going on. And I don't even want to get on that. Not today, Satan. Not today, Satan. But my point is, there has been revivals throughout the land. <clears throat> and there has been word that greater than that is coming. And it's going to produce... A, a mass amount of people turning their hearts uh, to the Lord. I'm not here to disagree with that. Uh, there are some very reputable ministers that I trust and some that I, that I know closely that has uh, spoken this. And uh, so, you know, God's will be done. I'm waiting on the, you know, we're just waiting on the Lord. I do personally believe that if and when things happen, as people say, it will, it's not going to be as people think, thinks. And it, it rarely, rarely ever is. But this is what I do know. And this is what I've come to tell you this morning. And this is what the Holy Spirit spoke to me this week. That you don't have to wait for a coming revival. You don't have to wait for an anointed preacher to come to town before revival. You don't have to wait for there's a mass draw to the Lord 
by a great outpouring of God's Spirit that is supposed to hit the land. That for you, right now, in your circumstance, where you stand, you can have revival now. You can experience God moving in your life right now. God can manifest. God can empower. God can save. God can perform a miracle. God can give a sign and a wonder. God can bless. God can call. God can purpose right now. Right now. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. We don't know exactly how God is going to move in the future. And I never try to put God in a box. I don't even worry about the future. I don't go to the future. Not to say I don't prepare in, in, in the context of wisdom. I do, but I do not focus on the future. I focus on the now. Because this is where we are now. And right now, there is problems. Right now, the devil is fighting. Right now, the enemy is work. Right now, the enemy is trying to rearrange and change family and relationships and sexes and mindsets and schools and colleges and careers and nations right now. So you cannot tell me that we're going to have to wait on God for, for, for five years from now when we have needs right now. Because right now there is a need, and the Bible teaches us that if we call on the Lord in the time of need, that he responds accordingly because of his goodness and his faithfulness. So we need God to move right now, but we have to believe and expect and know that God can move and will move right now. Right now. Right now. In our church. In our home. In our life. Right now. And God has a wonderful reputation of responding to the immediate cries of his people and the praises of his people. In their time of need. But the question is, what about us? What about us? How do we go about it? What is our heart? What is going on in our mind? What is our focus? What is our belief? Are we willing? To believe and therefore seek God for a personal revival in our life, for a revival in our family, a revival in our church, a revival in our community. What are we willing to do? It's like we do one or the other, is either we go for it. Or we spectate. We sit and wait. It's one or the other. Are we just going to 
go through the mundane rituals of Christianity? Are we just going to deal with the issues at hand that really, really does need a touch of God in it or on it? We're just going to just sit and watch it, just take it as it is, one mountain after the other, one hill after the other, one battle after the other. Or are we willing to get serious? Are we willing to be like, okay, enough's enough? As for me and my house, we're not just going to serve the Lord, but we're going to seek the Lord. As for me and my house, we are going to cry out to God for a family revival, for a personal revival for a community, and for a church revival. If that is us, if that is our hearts and our mindsets, then there are definitely some steps that we have to take, and that's what we're going to look at today. A few steps. If you really want revival, revival can be had now. You don't have to wait around. But there are a few steps that must be taken properly. Because God is... God has always been a God of order. Now, sometimes when we hear that verse, we think that God, we we, kind of connect it to the idea that God just does things right, like in an orderly fashion, and that is true. But it also means that God always has done things in a certain way. Just look how he created life. Just look at the reproductive process of creation. There is a distinct order in order for life to be reproduced whether that be in the form of an animal or whether that be in the form of a human. And it's a perfect example how God works in a specific order to uh, experience specific things or have specific outcomes. So we can believe revival is now, but if we don't recognize and therefore work the order You can believe all you want, it won't happen. Because God always works according to a certain order. Always, always, always. He is is not a craps player, right? He, He does not just roll out some spiritual dice and be like, here it is. If you get a 7 or 11, you get revival. It don't work that way. There is always a plan, a purpose, a process. And we have to get the mind of God. We have general processes that we're going to talk about today, but then these generalized processes always go down to specific processes to your personal situation. I or any other minister can give you the generals. But when it comes to specifics, unless God gives me a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge for you, that's between you and God. So number one is you have to desire it. Very simple part of the order. If you don't want it, guess what? You ain't going to get it. Husbands, if you did not desire 
for your wife to become your wife before she was your wife, do you think she would have said, yeah? No, you're not all that in a bag of chips, dudes. Nah, it just don't, it does, God did not create human nature that way. Now, you know what I've learned with people that you really go for and you really do what you desire. Point blank. And God, it, it, you know, God's not a tramp. And God ain't cheap. And God is not a one-night stand. God is God. And if you want God, guess what? You better desire him with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Because he's not a cheap date. Nehemiah desired for revival. Nehemiah was, the, was uh, a cupbearer, and the king saw that he was sad one day, and the king said, what's wrong, Nehemiah? And Nehemiah said, the walls of my people have been destroyed. The walls surrounding our city. Long story short, without getting into the details, the Bible teaches us that Nehemiah desired for there to be a revival amongst his people so that the walls could be built. And that would lead into the process of a new temple to be built, which would create an opportunity for there to be a new move of God in the land of Israel once again, because they lost it all. They lost the move of God. They lost the temple, and they lost the walls. And they were, beheld, they were being held captive in Babylonian, Babylon. Excuse me. And Nehemiah had a desire for this revival. And God used the heart of that Babylonian king to make a way revival to get started but to the point you have to desire it you have to desire it number two you we don't mean to point be pointing at you we have to repent look at somebody and say you know you need to repent tell them don't act like you're all perfect if you're a husband or a wife, you look at them real good and say, I know. I know. I know. I'm not trying to start no fights, so maybe you shouldn't do that. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, if my people who are called by my name, I wish I had time to jump into that simple phrase, called by my name, will humble themselves. That means surrendering ourselves to God's will and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. It doesn't happen with a change of heart. And guess what? A change of heart doesn't happen without true repentance. Repentance is the gateway to change. Repentance isn't a gateway to an emotional feeling that makes you feel sorry for anything you've done. No, repentance is the gateway to change. 
And it's the change that God responds to, not the feeling of guilt, not the feeling of remorse. You can feel guilty and be remorseful all day long. But if you don't make changes, then guess what? Nothing's going to change. We see it right here in 2 Chronicles. It says, if we would humble ourselves and pray and seek the face of God and turn, change our wicked ways, the ways that oppose God. Sometimes we hear the word wicked and we think the big bad sins. Because there is different levels of sins. I know we've been taught all sins are the same, but they're not. If I slapped you, that is totally different than if I shot you. Right? The outcome for you and for me is totally different. The Bible says do not murder. The Bible does not say do not slap. But me slapping you would, would, would technically be a sin because I'm offending you, I'm harming you, I am being aggressive with you, I'm being violent with you. I could have really bad anger issues and I'm just taking it out on you. Right? That's really a sin. But it is not like murder. I won't go to hell for smacking you. But I will go to hell for killing you, murdering you. So don't tell me that all sins are the same. That's, that, that's erroneous. So sometimes we hear the word wicked and we just think about all the big sins. But if you really dive into that, it's just the things that opposes God's ways. And we should be willing through humbling ourselves to change our ways that is opposite of God's ways. And that's true repentance. Number three, is to do your first works over again. Revelations 2.4. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. The point here is going back to the first works. Now, this is the Ephesus church. That God is speaking about when he's talking with John in the book of Revelations. And this is a church that, that, that did a lot of, lot of great things. They did a lot of good things. And there was things that God was very pleased with. But here is the issue. They wasn't doing it with the right heart. Some of you might say, well, that, that's, that's the book of Revelations. That's for a certain time uh, uh, in, in the future. That's not for us now. And if you was to, if you was, uh, if you was to look at it in, 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 in one sense, then maybe you can say that. But if you look at it in the sense of principles, you can't say that. Because there's a set of principles that you find throughout the whole Bible. And it may not literally be meaning something for us for the right then and there, but there's a principle behind it. And there's a principle behind this verse that says we can go through the motions and do everything right. But if our heart is not right, then we are missing the point and God is dissatisfied with that. And the reason that the heart is not right here, because he says, return to your first works. Return to your first love, some versions say. So they was doing everything right, but they had left their first love. 
You could be doing everything right, but you have left, forgotten, dropped, put on the back burner your love for God in the process of you doing everything right. And that is called religion, not relationship. Religion will never bring you revival. But a relationship with God in that relationship, nurtured correctly, will lead you into a great revival for yourself. So we can go through all the works, but if we don't have the right heart, we are just being religious. Not to say that's bad. Did you know the Bible doesn't shoot down religion? The Bible actually says good religion is feeding the poor, taking care of the widows. It's this very much so practical work of taking care of people. But it also teaches us that it's not the way to revival. If you want revival, you need to make sure your heart is beating for God. And you're not just going through the motions because it's become a spiritual habit. Look at someone and say, are you breathing? Give me some energy. Give me some energy this morning. Number four, we must be willing to cry out to the Lord in prayer, praise, heart's desire from our needs. A couple examples. The apostles... So a few moments ago, I I shared about a revival that happened on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people got saved. Shortly after that, uh, the apostles began to be persecuted. Uh, Sorry. This thing ain't working right. The apostles began to be persecuted. They were threatened. I think at that point, uh, I get it mixed up a little bit. If I'm not mistaken, they were flogged. Uh, But their, their life was threatened. And so they all came together. They knew they couldn't stop. Like that's what that that was the ultimatum that they were given. You stop, stop preaching this Jesus, or you're gonna die. They know they they knew they couldn't stop. They knew something had to happen, something had to change. So the Bible teaches us that they all came together. They prayed, they cried out unto the Lord. The Bible says that the earth where they were at began to shake. And a new spirit of boldness came upon them. And because of that encounter, that again was another example of revival. Because of that encounter, they was able to rise up and they continued preaching Jesus in spite of persecution and in spite of the threats. Why did that happen though? It didn't happen just because they came to church together and had a little home, you know, home-based Bible study. No, it happened because they came together and they cried out unto the Lord together. Crying out to the Lord with, with heart, uh, in prayer, in praise, gets a response from God. Uh, uh, another example is that uh, another popular uh, story in the Bible is Paul and Silas. They were put in prison again for preaching. They were put in prison. And the Bible says in prison, they begin to pray and praise. They begin to cry out unto the Lord. They were chained. They were locked up. Now, now, 
historically, there, there is an idea. Uh, we don't know exactly how legit it is, but it is a possibility. They say that they would have been actually kind of chained up to a wall like this. Some say even suspended. That is what some theologians uh, 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 teach. Don't know if that's true, but we do know they was in a very harsh environment, and they did not allow their harsh environment, number one, to keep them from believing in revival. You cannot, oh, let please, please hear me this. This wasn't planned to be said. You cannot allow your harsh environment to keep you from believing that God can still move in your predicament. Cannot. They were imprisoned, and they begin to cry out unto the Lord. They begin to sing praises, the Bible said. And again, there was an earth-shaking. Now, I don't want to have no California earthquake. That stuff freaks me out. But I would love to have a Holy Ghost earthquake right here at Westside. Like, shake these walls, Holy Ghost. But keep that earthquake at bay. Keep, that earth, keep, keep the big one at bay. Keep the big one at bay in the name of Jesus. So the earth shook. The prison doors came open if they were chained up. That means the chains had to fall off of them. But you know what they didn't do? They didn't run free. They stayed. Because if they would have ran free, the Roman soldier that was overseeing them would have died. He would have been executed because prisoners uh, got away on his watch. They stayed. And that Roman soldier ended up giving his life to the Lord. His family was saved. But the point is, Paul and Silas, even in the midst of a harsh predicament, cried out unto the Lord. Uh, the, the next one, uh, this is the last one at this point. I just had quite a few things come to my mind when I was preparing for this. Is uh, going, going back to Revelations with John, uh, the apostle. Now, he was put on the island of Patmos, as some of us know, as, uh, uh, really uh, as a form of execution, as a form of, of judgment. Uh, History says that, that there was many attempts to try to martyr John, to try to kill John, and they couldn't kill him. Uh, history says that he was actually put in a vat of oil, hot oil at one point, and it didn't kill him. So they just couldn't kill this man. He was considered to be the gospel or the disciple of love, the apostle of love, the one that Jesus uh, basically referred to as my beloved. They couldn't kill him. So they exiled him on this island all by himself with the idea that he was just going to rot and die alone, maybe from starvation, don't know, on this island. But guess what? It, what, what I love, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to paraphrase to you. Don't, I don't have the verse. At the beginning of the book of Re Revelations, it says... That I was, John was basically writing about himself, says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. He was exiled, technically to death. 
And even though he was exiled to death, it didn't stop him from getting in the spirit on the Lord's day. He had his own little church service going on. He had his own little time with God happening. Man, there was, so, there was a plethora of application here, but the one to bring it home to us is he still cried out to God even when he was exiled to death. And what happened next? The book of Revelations happened next. The, the fact that he received the book of Revelations is a, is a revival unto its own. The Bible says that anybody who reads the book of Revelations will be blessed. He experienced a revival through divine visions and encounters with God that became a personal revival from you. I can attest to that. I've read the book of Revelations multiple times, and after and during each time of reading it, I've had personal little revivals in my heart. Those personal revivals for me happened because John cried out to God even when he was exiled to die. We lose our job and we stop crying out to God. We get sick, we stop crying out to God. Something goes bad in the marriage, we stop crying out to God. We're tempted with something and we fall a little bit, we stop crying out to God. When are we just going to get strong, get tough, and no matter the circumstance, keep crying out to God? Crying, we can't stop can't lose our faith, lose our passion, lose our heart, lose our trying. I just got something from the Lord. You even, even if you majorly, I'm going to use my verbiage, not a pastor verbiage. Even if you majorly screw up, don't stop crying out to God. You might commit the biggest sin of your life. Don't stop crying out to God. There's somebody here. You've done something bad, and the enemy has come in after the mistake and has basically said, you're not worthy, you can't pray, you can't cry out to God. It's done for you. No, that is a lie from hell. You are forgiven by the grace of Jesus Christ. As long as you believe and repent, you've got to keep crying out to God. In order for you to have a personal revival, you've got to cry out to God. Can I get an amen? amen? Number five. Let's just, I'm going to bounce around Hebrews 11 uh, for this point. You have to be willing to step out in faith. Faith without works, action, effort is... <sighs> dead. You don't have faith. You have the idea of faith. But you don't have faith. If you're not willing to do something behind what you say you believe in, you don't have faith. You have something that makes you feel good. You have a nice idea. But to say you have faith, you got to do something. 
Now, I know we all have different levels of faith, and those levels of faith, because the Bible says that we've been given, each been given a measure of faith, and those levels of faith causes us to do uh, different types of things. So my level of faith is different than, than, than maybe one of yours, and so my level of faith is going to cause me to do something different. So I'm not sitting here saying we all have to do the same thing. It is based off of our level of faith, but you got to do something based off your level of faith. The 11 apostles did not walk on water. Only one did because Peter was at that level of faith. And they were not rebuked for it. Let's look, let's look at the talents. So, so, so uh, the, the, a, 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 a rich master gave talents to three workers. He left for a while. The one worker, you know, uh, I'm going blank. One, one worker greatly multiplied his talents. Another worker moderately multiplied his talents. And then the third worker went and hid his talents. It was money, investment money. And Jesus came back and he blessed both of the ones who did something. But he rebuked the one that did nothing. So what does that say to us? We just got to exercise the faith we're giving. You don't have to exercise in the same way that another person does. You just got to exercise what he's given you. I'm sick of this thing. (laughs) Get me a mic. I'm on blue. So let me just read. I'm going to bounce around through the whole chapter. Well, a little bounce and a lot of reading. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. That's beautiful. God just had faith in himself. Man. By faith, Abel broke God, brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, I love that, in holy fear. Guess what? Sometimes we operate in holy fear. Built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping the faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to the place, he would later receive as his inheritance obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going sometimes you're walking blind but you're walking by faith amen by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign land he lived in tents as did Isaac Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him of the same promise 
He was looking forward to the city with foundations, who architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, I like this. You're never too old to do what God calls you to do. By faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, she was too old to have a baby. She was an old woman, but God called her to be pregnant and not to be pregnant by the Holy Ghost, to be pregnant by her husband, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who made the promise. Sometimes it's not your faith. You just believe that he is faithful. My God. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. Let me bounce around a little bit. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses... Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. Let me stop. Do you see that your kid ain't no ordinary kid? And you got to lead them through faith because you recognize they are called in purpose and ordained by God. They are not hellions. They are children of God. Amen. And you got to lead them by faith. Woo, I'm sorry. I'm getting a little bit excited because I get excited about faith. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. Why were they drowned? Because they did not have faith. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Japheth, about David, about Samuel, and the prophets, and who through faith, through faith, can you say through faith? Who through faith conquered kingdoms. They conquered kingdoms through faith. Administered justice. Gained what was promised. If you want what is promised, then you got to exercise by faith. It's through faith. Let me find where I was again. Let me just start somewhere. Who through faith conquered kingdoms and ministered justice and gained what was promised. Who shut the mouths of lions, amen, quenched the, f- the, f- the fury of flames and escaped the edge of the sword. Whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and rooted foreign enemies, armies. Women received, oh, women received back their dead, raised to life again. What does this mean? They had dead babies, but those babies came back to life because of faith. Amen. My God. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection because of faith. If you want revival, guess what? You better make sure you got the faith. Look at someone and say, got the faith. Dang. Good preaching, Jonathan. Good preaching, Jonathan. Jeez. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Amen. 
I ain't bragging on myself. I'm bragging on the Holy Ghost. Hey, I got attacked by the devil last night, the middle of the night. I had like a darkness come in my living room, and I'm fired up and ready to kick the devil's butt this morning. I tell you what. Yeah, that stuff happens. Here's the last one. Here's the last one. Wait on the Lord, but maintain. Don't, don't wait on the Lord and be all grumpy. Don't wait on the Lord and be all doubtful. Don't wait on the Lord and be all mad and be upset. Don't wait on the Lord and go out living like hell. Don't do that. Wait on the Lord, but maintain the other five principles or orders that we just talked about. Maintain your desire for the Lord. Maintain your repentance. Maintain the first works. Maintain your crying out to the Lord. And by God, maintain your faith. Wait on the Lord, but maintain yourself. The 120... They waited. They, they waited and maintained maintain until the Lord came. Abraham had to wait for that baby boy. It took a little bit. But that baby boy came. Israel had to wait a little bit. But their promised land came. You got to maintain. You got to wait on the Lord. Excuse me. You got to wait on the Lord. But maintain your relationship with God. Those who wait on the Lord, what does the Bible say? Those who wait upon the Lord shall shall mount up with the wings of an eagle. If you wait, if you don't wait on the Lord, you're going to have the wings of a turkey. Instead of flying high like you the boss of the world, you're going to be like a turkey. No, 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 they go. They don't bark. Man, I, I need a mate can sell me a turkey call. I bet I'd be a millionaire off of that right there. You'll be all down here. And guess what happens when you're all down here? Number one, you are ugly as sin. Because have you ever seen a turkey? Turkeys are ugly as sin. Boy, eagles, they're handsome and beautiful. Turkey's ugly. So if you don't want to be ugly in the Lord, you need to be an eagle. If you ain't an eagle and you're a turkey in the Lord, guess what? You are one ugly joker. And, and, and what else? You always got someone wanting to kill you. And you always got somebody wanting to cook you up and eat you. People don't want to kill eagles. If you kill an eagle, guess what? You're going to go to jail for a little bit. Because it is a felony in the United States of America. You don't mess with no eagles. Eagles was born to fly high, baby. And the Bible tells us if we wait on the Lord, we will mount up like eagles. Not some, that don't work. Amen? You got to seek it. Worship team, you guys can come out. You got to seek it. And the, for, and this is, this is how it has been for years and decades uh, in the church. When people want a blessing, they always go to church and want someone to lay hands on them. And I understand that. There, there is definitely a time for that. 
The Bible even says, you know, you know, bring the sick before the elders of the church, have them lay hands upon them. You know, the Bible teaches that. But what, 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 what I've seen happen is, is people has had, an atten- has had a tendency to think that they can't get a touch from God and they can't get revival unless someone who, quote, is more spiritual than them or differently gifted than them can lay hands upon them. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe in laying my hand. I believe in the laying hands of people. The Bible teaches that. But I also believe this. You don't have to wait to get your hand to, to, to be, for, for hands to be laid upon you and someone to pray for you. What you got to do is you just got to seek God in your own power, in your own will, day and night, and expect God to bless you where you are at in your circumstance. Amen? That's not to discourage praying for one another. My God, I believe in praying for one another. But I'm also saying we can't be lazy. And we can't just wait around. We got to do what we got to do. And if you want or you need revival, I gave you six steps today. And I can guarantee you they will lead you to revival. And I can guarantee because... I've been there, I've done that, and I bought a few t-shirts. And it works. It works. It works. Stand to your feet this morning. I want us to sing that new song. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks.